Listening to the flip side with Noah Filipiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grit of life. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Noah Filipiak or at noahfilipiak.com slash give. What up, what up, flip upon a my welcome to episode 660 of the flip side podcast. And the very first episode of 2022. Welcome, welcome. Let's get let's get settled in. Uh, what I what I'm gonna be doing, and this this won't be in three sequential episodes in a row, but I haven't shared you know my story in a while. I had someone recently ask me about my story, and I thought, you know, that would be good to just put it into a podcast, and as I broke down my story in my mind, uh, I kind of broke it down into three main categories, and so I'm going to do a podcast episode on each of those categories. Uh, One of them, and and sort of in in no particular order, but one in the the first of those categories that I'm going to be doing today is my story as it relates to overcoming pornography and battling through sexual sin temptation. And so we're going to get to that today. I wrote a book called Beyond the Battle, A Man's Guide to His Identity in Christ in an Over-Sexualized World. I lead online small groups through that book with men, which you are welcome to check out at beyondthebattle.net. And I just want to be, I want to continue to be a resource uh, for men and women who are struggling with pornography, struggling with sexual sin, and who, who want out, who want out and who can't get out. I've been there. That is not a good feeling. And so we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, another, another part of my story that we're going to get to in uh, another episode, a future episode, is depression and talking through depression and i just think depression is one of those things that is really healthy to talk about i think it's really healthy to talk about because it's important for people who struggle with depression to know that you are not alone and that there is not something cataclysmically wrong with you because because you uniquely have this issue Uh, There's many, many people that struggle with depression, uh, me being one of them. And so, and and I've had to battle through a new chapter of that depression recently. And so, just going to talk about that. Just going to talk about that in a a future story episode. And then I'd like to do a third story episode on just my journey towards racial justice, racial reconciliation, racial equity. These are all all different words that are used uh, maybe at at, at different phases of of our culture. Anti-racism. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how I got to where I am, how I got to where I am being passionate about the things I'm passionate about. And I thought it would be good to separate those into three different episodes because they're three very different topics and I think will help people in unique ways. So, That'll be just coming. They're not all going to be in the right order. Have an interview coming up 
in early February with Dr. Robert Chow Romero, and he's the author of Brown Church. Just reaching to grab the book so I can read you the subtitle, Five Centuries of Latina Latino Social Justice, Theology and Identity. Really looking forward to that interview. Encourage you to pick up Brown Church and read it. Uh, that'd be great to read it prior to me interviewing Dr. Romero uh, here in a few weeks. Uh, we have some winners on the podcast. So we did a little a little challenge at the end of 2021. Leave a review on the podcast and you could win some Flipside swag. So we have two winners and I'm going to read their reviews. And while the swag contest is over, uh, I would encourage you to still leave a review. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to read these. And as I read these, as I, as I find them, they really encourage me. They really encourage me to continue doing the podcast. They really encourage me that the time invested in this in this ministry, that it's it's well spent, that it's helping people. And so I'd encourage you to encourage me <laughs> and leave a review. Uh, we, we're, we're leaving that in the show notes on how to do that on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, what, uh, that's the the most popular place to find podcasts. It's the reviews are helpful because it bumps the podcast up in people's searches, and it will recommend this podcast to people who are looking for similar podcasts. So uh, the first one is from Chaz. So Chaz said, "Noah, I really appreciate this podcast in many ways. The messages, raw honesty, and humor are just what I need." It seems to be the exact thing I need to listen to at times when I need to hear something uplifting. Thanks for sharing your life experiences, faith, and wisdom. Many blessings. I'm telling you, that is awesome. Thank you, Chaz. Uh, and and I, I, you know, like I said, I, I I won't I won't repeat everything I just said. But that is really I'm I am j- just being transparent with you. That is really encouraging. I love, I just love reading that. And I just, thank you, Chaz. Thank you for that. Uh, next is from Janie. Janie wrote, um, oh, they have titles. Chaz's was titled, Just What I Need to Hear. Janie's is titled, A Staple for Me. This podcast was, uh, this podcast has greatly enriched my walk with God. I appreciate how Noah addresses topics that I often wonder about as a Christian but don't hear about consistently in church. For example, mental health, LGBTQ plus issues, addiction, racial justice. Thank you for addressing these real issues in such a thoughtful and biblical way. I hope everyone listens to the Flipside podcast. Double exclamation point. Yeah, thanks, Janie. I wish everyone listened to the Flipside podcast too, because I think... There's what's the global population? Seven billion, is that or is that just the U.S.? I don't know. <laughs> that, that'd be great. That that'd be a lot of listens. Uh, Janie, I really love what you said because that's always been my heart with the flip side. It, it, for those of you that listen regularly, you know we kind of cover a lot of topics, and I'm sure for some of you that annoys you uh, a little bit. Maybe annoy is a strong word. But you might be listening because, you know, you read Beyond the Battle and you, you want a podcast that helps you in your 
and your your you know sexual purity, overcoming sexual temptation. And there's some really good podcasts out there where that's the only thing they talk about. And then I start talking about racial justice and racial equity, and you kind of go, no, nah, that, that 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 doesn't interest me, or or that's on the other side of the the political aisle. I don't, I'm not, I'm against that side of the political aisle. You know, I. I want to say I, I I do that on purpose. I, I want I want to challenge you, but also there's there are topics that the church needs to talk about more, and the in Sunday morning the, and, and and there's also topics you you can't talk about. So my church my my church plant mosaic. I mean we're going to talk about more things, more authentic, vulnerable kind of these types of issues than many churches probably will. Many many churches. Uh, I, I can guarantee you that. But I can also say that there's certain layers of a topic that you can't get into fully on a Sunday morning, and a podcast is a great place to do that. But I think the church needs to be talking more about pornography. It needs to be talking about sexual sin and temptation and the realness of it, how much almost everybody struggles in some way with this. And this is the thing. I think Satan wins when the church just preaches the same old message week in and week out. And it's, it's you know, we want to be uplifting and we want to give people something. We, but, but, but often we're giving them a product. We're, we're giving them a product that we think, you know, this is a self-help mechanism. God is a genie in a bottle, and if you come and find God, then he'll help you and answer, he'll, he'll fix all your problems. And, and so we, we package this product, and in the meantime, you know, look, look some of those messages are okay. We, we, we need to know that God is there for us and is our strength through, through hard times, and, 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 and some of those messages are good, but, but even then, they're often not given in the in a raw enough the the grit of life uh, way that that connects with the things we actually deal with. But needless to say, my point is we we often in the church give these same old worn out message. I mean, seriously, look at your go to your church's sermon page and look at the sermons in the past year. Look at the sermons in the past three years and ask yourself. Is this the same message over and over and over? And why is that? Meanwhile, so I, I'm, I'm developing this metaphor right now for discipleship, like l- legitimately developing this metaphor. I, 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 I'm discipling someone and we're developing it as we go. And I would love to turn this into a resource, like a workbook or a book that's published. But, and this is corny, but, but the metaphor is actually a ship. So uh, it's corny because discipleship, get it? <laughs> but discipleship. So you we're building this ship, and there's there's uh, there's these pieces of the ship. But what what I want to get to is there's certain things we don't talk about, like pornography addiction, and there's people in the church that are just struggling with pornography addiction, and th- these addictions are like holes that have been blown in blown into the hull of the ship. So you have the ship, but there's this hole in it, and the hole is just filling up with water. The the ship is flooding. And so we're wondering why the ship can't really go anywhere or can't really go very fast, very far. And it's because we're giving sort of this same message that we think is blowing wind into the sail but there's a hole in the boat. And so the the wind blowing into the sail is not going to do very much until that hole 
is is taken care of. And that's just one example. The discipleship thing, it's it's actually pretty fun. There's there's many, many, many different elements to it. I'm I'm not not getting into it. That that's not the purpose of this podcast. My point is we need to be real in church. And 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 it's not just throwing out the word pornography to your church as if you say that word and it's bad and don't do it, people are able to actually stop or or to, to not be vulnerable about the struggles that you struggle with as a pastor and things hopefully that you've overcame, that you've had victory in. I believe pastors should have a level of victory that they can share with others in various areas. If you're struggling, and I also know many active pastors who are struggling with pornography because let's be honest, we've been raised on it. I don't know why we don't talk about it more, why we're not more real about it. I think we just think if we cover our, our eyes and our ears and our and then cover our mouth, like it's just going to go away. That's how we treat it in the church. I know plenty of active pastors that are struggling with porn and some of them are are working on it and I am proud of them for working on it. I'm working on it. I'm going to share my story with you. Uh, but I, I do think some have just resigned themselves, but it's because they're not willing to do the work. That's where the problem is. When you're not willing to do the work, and, and then that's when you have a pastor who's not being vulnerable. You have a pastor who's not sharing their journey because they're not doing the work uh, to do this this piece of the discipleship process. And that's just one. That's just one topic, but I'm, 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 I'm springboarding off of what uh, Janie was saying, well, there, there, we have our, our whole culture, country is, is, is wrestling through racial justice in the Bible, so clear on racial justice, and so many churches, particularly white evangelical churches, are just silent on it because we don't want to uh, lose our constituency because of their political allegiances and what, what Fox News tells them to believe, and, and we don't want to disagree with that that God in the scriptures uh, would actually say something different than what Fox News says, that, that people should should think when it comes to race and racism. And so we just don't talk about it. And we literally eliminate maybe a third of the Bible, like the prophets, the minor and major prophets. We just don't talk about those. <laughs> Jesus's commands, his commands, uh, about the oppressed. We just don't talk about those. I know of institutions, large evangelical institutions led by powerful white people and funded by powerful white people where they have been commanded, the faculty has been commanded, you can't say uh, the word oppression oppressed this is a christian institution how can you teach the bible if you're not allowed to use the words oppressed and oppressor oppressed because those are the words the bible uses <laughs> just because it applies to us we go oh no oh, oh, can't apply can't talk about that because it applies to me oh so we just eliminate it from the bible let's just let's just talk about sin and and you know, repentance, those are words that I hear. Now I'm on all kinds of rabbit chills. Thanks, Janie. It's your fault. Yes, we need to talk about sin and repentance, but we need to name the sins. 
if you don't name the sins, my kids do this all the time. I mean, kids are young. I can I can talk about them still. They're very young. So, I mean, what I mean is that they're innocent. These things are very surface level and, and innocent. My kids are not teenagers. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not throwing them under the bus. Just little kids doing little kid things. I have a four, eight, and 10-year-old. And, and everybody does this as kids. All right. So-and-so did something to so-and-so. I don't know what it is. They're... They're fighting over a pencil. I mean, it could be anything, right? And so one kid snatches the pencil from the other, and then the one cries or something. So you're like, okay, kid number one, this, the pencil snatcher, uh, you, you know, you put him in timeout or whatever, and then, and then we, we say, okay, now you need to go apologize to your sister. So they go over and they say, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's it. So they don't. What, and so, so, so what do you say as a parent? You say, what are you sorry for? <laughs> oh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry for snatching the pencil, okay? <laughs> so they're, they're saying it because you're forcing them to. But but seriously, if you just say you're sorry, I, 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 I could slap you in the face, and then someone says you need to say you're sorry, and I'm just like, sorry. Like, for what? For, for slapping you in the face. When you name it, you have to own it. So it's not enough to just say, we're going to talk about sin and repentance. Let's talk about the actual sins that have built our country. Let's talk about the actual sins that have created massive inequity. And 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 we need to talk about that in church. It's part of discipleship. It's part of what it looks like to bring Jesus's kingdom here to this place. Man, it's huge. So, uh, so yeah, the, the flip side, we're going to talk about this stuff because it's connecting the reality of the gospel with the grit of life. That's the tagline of the podcast. And so LGBTQ+, uh, we're, we're going to talk about depression. We're going to talk about mental health because we got these are the real things. What I seriously want to know what planet certain church leaders live on. What planet do you live on where you don't deal with these things in your life? It, you, you've created a little part of planet Earth where people aren't depressed, where people aren't attracted to the same sex, where people aren't struggling with porn, where people don't want out of their marriages, where, where single people aren't drowning in loneliness and longing for marriage where where people aren't struggling with suicide and and self-harm what what planet are you living on How, did you what corner of the earth do you live i think it's i that's fake it is so fake it is it is a mask and that is so unhealthy where where we we build whole churches that way i mean i think we could argue that that's the prevailing message of the whole church is just this mask that we've got it all together. We won't, we won't talk about those things. We can't talk about those things. And for people who believe in grace, for, for people that believe in grace, I mean, come on. That's, that's the opposite of grace. That is the antithesis of of grace. There's a phrase I like to use on the podcast where grace lives, vulnerability abounds. 
where grace lives, vulnerability abounds. So if we believe in grace, if if we have a gospel of grace, a good news of grace, Jesus's grace is what saves you. You're not saved by anything but his grace, his grace for you, his forgiveness of you. What that means is I have, I have to be forgiven. I am a sinner. I'm really messed up. I really need grace. So if I believe in grace and you believe in grace, we both believe the same thing about grace. We're both believing that we're super broken and we really, really need Jesus's grace. Then you and I should be super vulnerable with each other because we're in the same boat. But sometimes people say, wow, you're really vulnerable. I believe in grace. And if you don't, I pray for you. I pray for you that you will believe in grace that you will say, yeah, <laughs> I I need to share my stuff too because I need that grace in my life too, where grace lives, vulnerability abounds. So in your churches, in your small groups, if you're a pastor listening, lead with vulnerability. Preach with vulnerability. Lead your church small group. One of the least vulnerable places in the world is a church small group. Lead with vulnerability. Can we, Janie, you got me going. I am going now. Can can we stop in our church small groups just praying for our, our health and our jobs and our kids? Can we just make all those prayer requests off limits? <laughs> just We're going to have prayer time, and you're not allowed to have prayer requests for your, your job, for your kids, or your health. Okay, let's... Who wants to share? <laughs> now, look, I get it. I get what church small groups are for. Uh, they're they're a good place to make friends. I get you 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 don't you don't need to nor nor should you share your deepest darkest secrets and struggles to your church small group that you just met week one. Hey, I I looked at porn last night. Can you guys help me and support me? That's not what I'm saying. That's awkward. That's that's just. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is to be vulnerable, to be transparent, to share your struggles. You can share about your depression. You can share about the ways you're struggling. You can find individuals in your small group and say, hey, could we get lunch or coffee? And in that say, I'm struggling with pornography and you felt like a safe place, a safe person that I could talk to. And, and see if you can build that culture in to your small group. Okay, take that for what it is. Let God, let God speak to you. Let God work in you. We need a little transition. We need a little transition time before before we jump into before we jump into my story. So I'm gonna take a drink. How about this transition? A drink of this delicious angry brew coffee. Mmm. Hot diggity. Angry Brew, uh, twice the caffeine of normal coffee, and it's natural. It's not. It's not some jacked up chemical caffeine. It's just the coffee beans that they choose. Angry Brew is a. It's coffee with a punch, and they sponsor the flip side because we we have a little punch around here. If you haven't noticed that already, just wait till you get to Noah's rant. Uh, if you're a new listener. You'll, you'll get a little punch. Uh, coffee with a punch, uh, 
uh, fivelakes.com, angrybrew.com. Uh, the owners are believers and uh, supporters of the flip side. They're listeners, and I'm super thankful. So, listeners, uh, will you support them as they support the flip side? Go to their website, angrybrew.com. Use the promo code FLIP, and you will get 10% off your purchase of Angry Brew Coffee as well as Chris's Blend. All right. Good transition. <sighs> I need commercial breaks. I need commercial breaks. We got to work on that, Travis. Travis, Shout out to Travis, my brother-in-law, editor extraordinaire for the flip side. We got to work on some commercial breaks. But in the meantime, uh, my story, where do we start? This actually won't, you're going to think, oh no, this is going to take two hours. No, it won't. I'm going to be brief. One, I'm worn out. I'm already, <laughs> I'm already worn out. I'm worn out from all that. Chaz and Janie got me fired up. Fired up. Fired up. All right. So I was in middle school when the intranet came out. You ever heard of it? Ever heard of the internet? Yeah, it's a pretty fandangled new invention. It came out when I was in middle school. I mean, it, it came out before then, right? But for those of you that were alive back then, which is funny. Uh, anyway, I, I won't get into that. Okay. Uh, for those of you that were alive back then, you remember. It, internet was something, you know, businesses and, and big, huge tech corporations and stuff were, were using. I didn't know about it. And you just kind of heard things about it. I, and, I, and I was just a kid. But at some point, it crossed this threshold where it became uh, accessible. It became accessible to, to people, residents, everybody. And so uh, I'm 39, by the way. 39, shout out to my birthday, which was two days ago from the day I'm recording. So January 8th, Elvis Presley's birthday. Also, Noah Filippiak's birthday. I turned 39. And I tell you my age because... It's helpful with the timeline of the internet, when the internet came out. I was in middle school. It had been mid-90s or so. I remember my parents got a computer, family computer, and it was just becoming normal in our culture for people to have the internet in their homes, kind of like you would have a telephone or a television. Uh, now you have a family computer and an internet. And, you know, that computer is awesome. You used to play Nibbles on there. Shout out to Nibbles. Who played Nibbles? It was that snake game where you'd, you'd eat the numbers and then you'd grow. And uh, there was a game with these gorillas where you'd throw bananas. And it was a, one of those games where you had to angle it correctly. And then how far you push the space bar down and it would blow up. Try to blow up like the building the other gorilla was on. Those are games were were legit. I, I, I would love to play those games again. If anyone knows how to get those games, send them to me. I will play them. Maybe I bet there's an app for Nibbles. Okay, so those that was the day. That was the computer, right? And so I'm hitting puberty at the wrong time, right? So so uh, seriously, I mean, there's a lot, plenty of people before me struggled with pornography and before my generation, but it's so different, so, so different when, and, I, and I'm not saying this judgmentally at all, I mean, but when you have to make the conscious decision, I'm going to get in my car, I'm going to drive to that, you know, kind of shady 
Well, the adult bookstore. I'm going to drive to an adult bookstore. I'm going to park my car. I'm going to walk in. I might see somebody I know from my job or from church, me walking in the adult bookstore, buying porn. Or, you know, that the, the, the shady part of the, the, the video store. You know, they, remember that? <laughs> the family video or, or I don't know if Blockbuster, you know, those had it too. But there was that that corner of the, and it was like the adult. I mean, that's, anyway, just the fact that that was even. But for, for you to do that, it took a lot more, took a lot more gusto to do that. Uh, and, you know, people would find Playboy magazines, their dad's stash, or at a friend's house. And But even then, you, you, you had to find a way to get more magazines as a kid. Just very, very different when, than the internet coming into your home. It's like that, that adult bookstore took up shop in your home. And, and yeah, you had the choice. You had the choice to to go in that door or not. But it's it's literally sitting there in your living room. It's just, I'm here, adult bookstore, right here for you, uh, 24-7. Just click on this button and boom, I'm here. That is so, so different. And so for me, and when the internet came out, I mean, the church was not talking about porn. That's one reason I talk about porn in the church is because we have, <laughs> there's a lot of making up to do. We, church didn't talk about porn at all back then. And 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 so I, you know, I, and, and I don't know. I think there was a naivety to it where uh, my my parents, you know, I, I'm not I don't I'm not judging them at all. I think my parents just thought Noah is a Christian who loves Jesus. He's not going to look at porn. You know, he, he's not going to he's not going to beat a kid up at recess and steal his lunch money. We know that. And in the same way, he's not going to look at porn. So we don't need to talk about it. We don't. Uh, we don't need to address it. We don't need to put protection on the computers. Uh, the youth group. You know, we talked a lot. And I'm not. Some people. A lot of people bash the message of you know saving sex until marriage. That was a good message for me. We talked about that a lot. Didn't ever talk about porn. Not once was the P word mentioned. And I was in church and youth group all the time and youth camps and youth retreats. And, and so middle school, I hit puberty. I'm, I'm, I'm still in the, I'm still in the, uh, bra and panty ads out of the newspaper masturbating. I'm in seventh grades ish. I don't know if what I'm doing is wrong. I think it's probably wrong. I'm not going to talk to anybody about it. The, the, um, I, I make a deal with God. So then we well, then the internet comes into the home and and I make a deal with God. I, I, I know there's more of this kind of bra and panty stuff on the internet and swimsuit edition stuff. And, and I say, hey, I know God. I know that naked women is a sin. I know that's a sin. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to stop here at this, you know, as like women in swimsuits and underwear. And, and, and I didn't stop. What a shock. <laughs> uh, porn treats your brain just like a narcotic drug and uh, your brain likes the endorphins that it it shoots off and uh, serotonin and all that good stuff and it wants more it needs more so you get a hit and that hit feels really good on your brain but your brain says give me more and that's why a drug addict always needs more and more and more you know until many times they overdose and uh and they'll do anything to get that next hit and porn is the same way. Porn, you need more porn. You need, you know, more revealing, more more of a rush, deeper kind of stuff, right? And so, 
that's how it began for me. And I, and I quickly got into this addiction. And, I, you know, for me, I what's interesting is I, I, I never really, besides kind of the accidental stumbling upon it, and it wasn't appealing to me, I wasn't even looking at, like, hardcore pornographic videos. For me, it, it was it was a it was a fantasy land of you know um, me and, and and one woman. I didn't want another man in the picture. I I that was my my fantasy was me and this this perfect looking naked woman. And 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 uh, you know that was and and and, and it's interesting. I, I mentioned that because there's when I get to the the the, the how how I found freedom for pornography. That part really plays a role of what was it I was really looking for from pornography. There, there's something about what I valued in this this perfect bodied, perfect face looking woman and how it made me feel, the value that it gave me. So let's come back to that. We'll, we'll, we'll bookmark that for now. But I'm in an addiction now. I can't stop. I can't stop. And I know it's wrong now. I love Jesus. I'm not living a double life. I'm not this kid at church that's, you know, oh, I'm a church kid. Oh, yeah, I'm a church because I have to be. And But I can't wait until Friday night, you know, to be out partying with my friends from school and, you know, sleeping around with girls and getting drunk. I, I didn't do that stuff. I didn't. I, I didn't want to do that stuff. I had good Christian friends uh, that love Jesus. But porn, I wanted out, and I could not get out. I tried many tactics to try to get out of porn. I would look at I would look at porn on the family computer, and uh, <laughs> one time I got caught. So my dad or my parents they found the history on the computer. Uh, I was 16, so I was a few years into my addiction, and I was glad I got caught. I thought I thought I'd finally st- I would finally stop looking at porn. I stopped for a week. And then, uh, you know, the addiction was there, that hunger, that appetite was there, that void, really, that void, that longing was there. And I figured out how to delete the history on the computer, and and boom, I was back. I was back at it. Drink break, not editing that out. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I told you, we need commercials. Come on. We got to get on that, Travis. We need we need some commercial breaks in this in this show. Um, so um, get, I, I'm back at it. I'm back at it in college. Now I'm in, I'm in college. I'm I'm going to Christian college. I'm studying to be a youth pastor. I'm still looking at porn, and I just realized, man, this has got to stop. How how can I go into being a pastor looking at porn? And so I talked to. Uh, an RA in my dorm. His name is Dave, and I was a freshman, and I just felt I like Dave. I felt like I could trust him. I, I I could see his heart for Jesus, and we went on a walk, and I told him about my struggles with porn, and just telling somebody about it was a huge, huge first step of my healing journey. Uh, eventually, we started a a small group in our in our men's dorm. And uh, it was uh, the, the first small group was with all RAs, and that was really cool, RA resident assistant. Uh, and then the next year, I led a small group as an RA with my roommate, and uh, we we led a small group. And I, I, I mentioned this stat um, in my book. We had 20 guys in the group. I think I mentioned it. I've mentioned it before. 20 guys in the group, um, 19 of us. 
admitted to struggling with porn. And the other guy, I think, legitimately didn't, uh, which is awesome. But you go, wow, that's a lot. That's that's a high percentage. That's 95%. Uh, this was you know early 2000s of men at a Christian college, many studying to become you know pastors uh, in, or in ministry, struggling with porn. But let's not talk about it in the church. Oh, no, 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 we can't. I don't think we can add to something we should really talk about or help people with, no. So, uh, yeah, so, so the groups, the community, found a ton of freedom from being in community from, and from having accountability. And I, and I was porn free from February-ish of my freshman year. That was the same week that I met my wife, the same week I had the courage to talk to her, was the, the last time I looked at porn uh, for, for that chapter. And I was, I was porn free for years. Uh, which is so awesome. Community does that. You're around community. You're around people. And Christian college dorms might be the only place in our culture left for genuine biblical Christian community because our culture is so uh, a culture of isolation. We are a culture of isolation. Whether you're married or single, a culture of isolation. Some people live very counterculturally uh, where they live in community in a house uh, maybe it's a bunch of single people or it's a bunch of, could be a bunch of families or people live in community where they have rhythms, uh, you know, to getting together regularly, daily, like, like, like in the Bible. Most of us look at those people like they're crazy or like they're hippies or something. And really they're living out biblical community and, uh, the Christian college dorm, man, I'm telling you that for me, such a, that was such a powerful experience of community for me. And, and, uh, and I'm, and, and, and it, I'm not, joking around. I, I think that's the only socially acceptable Christian community left in our in our culture. Uh, so um, that wasn't there anymore. I'm, now I'm married. I'm living in, in Lansing. I don't have those same friends around me. My roommate and I aren't, aren't daily talking about our purity, uh, daily talking about accountability, daily talking about our relationships with Jesus. We're American adults now living the life living, you know, and I'm in ministry. I'm doing youth ministry. My marriage, uh, we're struggling. First few years of marriage were tough. Uh, we had, we had issues in our sex life. I, I made a, you know, the, the one, uh, the, that message of saving sex until marriage, that's the right message. But the, the wrong part of the message was, and if you do, you know, God will hook you up. If you do, you'll have this sexual utopia. Um, Every Man's Battle, that book, that book set me up with a lot of entitlement. There's a part of that book called The Sexual Payoff. And it says, if you, if you do this, if you, you know, stay away from porn, there's going to be this sexual payoff in your marriage. And, uh, I approached my marriage like a vending machine. I approached a marriage, my, I, I, Every Man's Battle also never taught me to not objectify women. It never taught me that objectifying women was a sin. It's it essentially said, "Hey, you're you're wired to objectify women, and so harness that and or channel it towards your wife. Objectify your wife instead, and sh- treat her like a bag of body parts, you know, meant for you to consume." And 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 the book never explicitly says that, and I'm sure that's not the author's intent. But that is absolutely how I went into my marriage. And and I'm just being, I'm doing grit of life with you right now with that. 
Uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw those authors under the bus, but that book damaged me. And, and, and that book is still a bestseller. And I, that bothers me. I'll just say that, that, that bothers me. That bothers me. Um, and, and, and so I, I channeled my objectification and, and I funnel it toward my wife. I, uh, I was told I needed bulls, bulls. Can you, sometimes on the podcast, there's certain words that they go, can you understand what I'm saying when I say bulls? Does it sound like I'm saying bulls? I'm not saying balls. <laughs> Seth, I know that's what you were thinking. Uh, bulls, B-O-W-L-S, like a cereal bowl. Uh, that that you have to get these bulls of sexual fulfillment. I don't remember what phrase they use each day. And and just a lot of consumption, a lot of, the, of just bad metaphors about how we need to consume women sexually. And so I was doing that in my marriage and my wife felt like a vending machine. We had, we had issues just with sex and, and we, we had, you know, that we, we honestly had to, you know, marriage counseling, um, big help there. And I, and so I, I encourage you in your marriage, if that's, if that's you, if sex is not fulfilling for both people, um, marriage counseling, sex therapy, it's good. You Christians, you can you know you can go to Christian counselors that specialize in that. But uh, but the long story short is is my wife felt used by me, and I felt rejected by my wife, and so I started looking around. I I'm in uh, Lansing, East Lansing now, Michigan State University, Land. I got married super young. I was 21. Sex is no longer taboo. And I was in high school. I mean, I was saving sex until marriage. I, I wasn't messing around with girls. I wasn't making out with girls. And so that was always taboo for me in this legitimacy. Like I was a fearful of it. I, I did, I was, it, was, it was the unknown. I, I had no confidence or desire for that. And therefore, I wasn't like this smooth ladies man ever. And until after my marriage, right? The irony of that. Until after marriage, until after experiencing sex and going, oh, this is what my friends in high school were doing. This is why people have casual sex. Because once you have sex, you go, oh yeah, this is actually quite casual. And uh, there's a stat I, in my, that I, that I have a, I, I have a, I reference to in, Be- in Beyond the Battle. Um, I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's about a third, a third of, uh, Singles, a third of millennial singles, I think, have had what's called interview sex. Um, interview sex is you have sex before your first date. So it's like, hey, I just met you on Tinder or wherever. Let's have sex first, and then let's decide if we want to go out to dinner. Uh, that's a third. Uh, maybe I'll look that up so I'm not butchering that because this is a podcast, and and you could <laughs> – you could quote me. So let me see if I can find that real quick on my blog. Um, be a great time for a commercial, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? Be a great time for a commercial right now. Commercial break. Um, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Let me take a break. Let me t- let me take a break from trying to find that and get back to my point. I'm, I'm off on a rabbit trail. My point is that lifestyle that many people are living they were living it all around me. Uh, I'm seeing attractive girls that are, frankly, uh, I'm seeing the signs now. I'm seeing the signs. They are interested. They are interested sexually in me. I did not feel like my wife was. That is a bad, bad, bad combination. And uh, I was 24, so three years into my marriage, 
and I'm I'm ready to be done. I am absolutely ready to be done. I didn't want to be done. I wanted my marriage to work. I wanted our sex life to be better. I'm praying to God, and I felt like God let me down. God did not live up to his end of the deal <clears throat> that he owed me, this utopian sex life that every man's battle and other messages uh, told me that I that I deserved, and uh, I didn't have it. And so he didn't live up to his end of the deal, and so I wanted out. And I was uh, strongly considering divorce. I was fantasizing and making plans about living a life, uh, uh, you know, living at the beach, picking up girls, uh, really cashing in my faith. Um, and that, I, that was a time when I really, really had to get real with God and say, God, what is it that I'm really after? What is it Back to the, I, oh, by the way, yeah. And and so I started dabbling into porn again, looking at porn again. Meanwhile, I am a pastor. And, you know, I knew that this, uh, th- th- this is wrong. Like this is, this is wrong. And so um, I'm going to God, God, what is it I'm really after? What is it I really desire? What is it that's fueling this engine for attractive women, all the way back to, like I was sharing earlier, that that root of my porn addiction. It was, I I need to be with this this perfect looking woman, and what does that give me? And what what it gave me is a sense of my own value. That if this woman who's attractive desires me, now I have value. If I'm desirable, now I am valuable. You follow me? If this attractive woman approves of me, now I <clears throat> I have value. I'm worth something. And so porn and this fantasy of this casual sex life, and, and there was, you know, it, it, it was never, uh, and I can say this too, I never had sex. I, I never even got close. I never had anything close to an affair with my wife. There was women I found myself flirting with, and I would sh- I would share that immediately with my co-pastor or a close friend or whatever context that that was in. But I, and I, and I think that does, honestly, gives me some authority to speak on this, to say, I know what it feels like to want out. I know what it feels like where that makes the most sense is to go down that path. I can relate with you and I have grace for you. I also didn't do it. I also didn't do it. And I and it wasn't just by white knuckling it and willpowering my way out of it. I, I have a, a path of healing that God sent me down which is why I never I never did it. And I'm not judging good, good friends of mine. And their story's different. They did. They have, you know, they had multiple affairs or they had an affair or, you know, long strings of, you know, prostitution and, uh, you know, picking up prostitutes and, and going to massage parlors. And I'm not judging that, listeners that are listening. The same path of healing is for you. And I think your story uniquely can help men and women as well that that can hear your story and go wow 
you did all that stuff. You did worse stuff than I did. And look at you. God's healed you and made you whole. He can heal me and make me whole too. And I think my story, what my unique story can do is for those that haven't gone down the path yet. For those that are that are on the fence and they're teetering, I can say, you don't have to. I didn't. And you don't have to. And there's a way out. There's a way out. You don't have to go down that path. You don't have to you don't have to put your hand on the stove and have the scar and then be able to say, look at this scar. Don't touch the stove. Now, no certainly I have my scars and I and I have my sins that I've that I'm sharing with you. And there's not a scoreboard for sin. I, I just think that our, our stories can be used in different ways by God. And I think that my story in a unique way has a different type of authority behind it because it's a story where I, I, I didn't, I, I say some of that to say, um, I struggled with sexual sin at a very deep level and, and in many ways continue to, which I'll talk about in this sort of next chapter. Uh, of, of this part of my story. Um, but I, I, I didn't go down that path. And I say that to give hope to those who didn't and hope to those who have, who, who want to stop, who want to say, I want that too. I want to be on that path where this stuff doesn't own me anymore and it doesn't control me anymore. And that's what we're talking about. Freedom is not getting to have sex with whoever you want. Freedom is when the desire to look at porn doesn't own you anymore where 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 it's gone where where you have control over your body where you don't want to have sex with everyone anymore or when you see an attractive you know man or woman you have control to be able to say no i'm not going to pursue sex with that person rather than that desire for sex just owning you that's slavery that's that's not freedom so so uh so so yeah so at this point in my story god is is digging into that deeper layer and showing me what it is i'm really looking for from porn from these these women i'm you know the east lansing lansing crowd these sort of sexual encounters that I could be having, that I want to have, that I'm, I'm planning out a future life where, where I, I, I will have that. And I'm looking at my marriage and I'm saying, that's what I want my wife to give me. I want my wife to give me that, that feeling of approval, that feeling of, of validation. And, and, I, and it was clear that I was desiring my wife to give me what only Jesus can give me. And and many of our of our sexual purity books and tactics and strategies set us up to look to marriage, to look to a spouse to give us what only Jesus can give us. We'll say, "Oh, you're looking to porn to give you what only Jesus can give you? I've got the solution. It's marriage." Here's a wife or a husband. They will give you what only Jesus can give you, not porn. Don't look at porn. Go have sex with your spouse. Let me tell you, that message needs to stop in the church. If I hear that message one more time, I might walk up on the stage and take the mic away from the pastor or author who I hear that message from. That is, let me, <laughs> it's, just, it's just really, really negligent. That isn't true at all. You're setting people up 
to you're setting people up for massive failure in their marriages. It doesn't work, first of all. Your spouse, your husband, your wife cannot give you what only Jesus can give you. And so we can find that validation we're looking for in Jesus, or that, that the validation we're looking for from porn, the validation we're looking for from sex, from these sexual encounters. Oh, if only that I can sleep with this next man or this next woman, or if I can catch you know that prize, that conquest, then I will feel valid, validated. Then I will feel important. Then I will feel loved. Then I will feel like I have worth. Jesus only can fill that void in you. It's not to say we aren't still wired for community and even intimacy, but intimacy and sex are not the same thing. Think about all of the sex happening in the world with zero intimacy. You have marriages where sex is happening and there isn't intimacy. Intimacy is, is, can happen in a friendship. Intimacy can happen in a church community. Our culture worships sex so much that we have made sex and intimacy synonyms, and it is not true. That is why, friends, a, a, a story like The Lord of the Rings, which is my absolute favorite story, I've read the books many times, watched the movies many times, and 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 I'll you you'll hear people say, well, Frodo and Sam were gay, because our culture cannot comprehend friendship, love, and gay Christian authors like Greg Coles and Wesley Hill have written on this very well in their books. Uh, Greg Cole's book, Single Gay Christian. Oh, what's the name of your new book, Greg? I read it. Let me find it. And uh, Wesley's book, Washed and Waiting. But his new book, his newest book that we did a, uh, a, a, a flip side book group on, Spiritual Friendship. He really, really, he, he, he studies uh, friendship. I mean, he, he, studies the, he studies this stuff. And, and okay, Greg Coles' new book is called No Longer Strangers. And it talks about some of these similar themes. And, and so, but, but our culture would look at Frodo and Sam and say, they express love for each other. And in the book, there's, you know, kisses exchanged, I believe at times, uh, or, or I might be getting that confused with David and Jonathan. I don't remember, but culturally, if there's a kiss between David and Jonathan, because culturally that's how love was expressed. Uh, people look at that and they say, David and Jonathan, I'm talking about in the Bible, uh, King David, and his best friend Jonathan, they would say they're gay. That's that's homoerotic love because they're they're kissing. Well, our culture, we don't kiss. You you can go to Quebec, which is not far from me in Michigan, and you will get kissed on the cheek there uh, in a church because that's cultural. Okay, my but my point is we look at we look at any uh, intimacy and we say it must be sexual intimacy. There, that whether that's heterosexual or homosexual, we we no longer have a category for intimacy that isn't connected to sex. And so you have single people that are lonely and feel unloved and unworthy because they're not having sex. And we have married people 
who are having sex and are wondering why sex isn't making them feel connected and intimate. Okay, I'm going all over the place now. You should be used to that by now. Where was I? Somewhere in my story. Back to my story. Let's come back. Let's come on back. Bring in the train back. Bring in the rabbit trail back. I'm going to take a drink of Angry Brew. And that might help my brain come back to where I was in my story. I'm talking to God, and he's showing me that that's what I was really after. That that's what I was really after was this hole inside of me. And it didn't matter how much love my wife poured into this cup. There's holes in the bottom of the cup, and it would just pour right out. Jesus can heal that hole in the bottom of our cup. And he is the faucet that fills the cup as well. So Colossians 1.22. This is another verse I talk about frequently on the, the podcast. But now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. When the Father looks at me, because of Jesus' physical body that was dead on the cross, I've been reconciled to God. Remember grace? I've been brought back to God. I've been made one with God. So when the Father looks at me, holy God of the universe looks at Noah Philippiac, he sees the holiness of Jesus Christ. He sees perfection. It says without blemish and free from accusation. He sees me as the most valuable being alive. The most valuable being imaginable. Holy, no blemish, free from accusation. Matthew 3, 16 to 17 Jesus is baptized and uh, here's a voice from heaven. The father's voice saying, this is my son whom I love and in whom I am so pleased. He says that to Jesus. Colossians 1.22 says, when the father sees me, he sees Jesus' holiness. Romans 8, 15 to 17 says that in this gospel, in this grace, in this reconciliation, I have become a child of God. I have been adopted as his son. And, and Romans 8, 15 to 17 says, I am a co-heir with Jesus. So Jesus receives from the Father this belovedness, this beloved sonship that you are my son whom I love and I'm well pleased with you, Jesus. And I am a co-heir with Jesus. Co-heir means I get whatever Jesus gets. What Jesus gets from the Father, I get from the Father. What Jesus gets from the Father, you get from the Father, if your faith is in Jesus and his grace to forgive you of your sins. 
and you are his follower. What Jesus gets from the Father, you get from the Father. So when the Father says, Jesus, you are my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased, the Father says to you, he speaks your name, Chaz, Janie, Seth. You are my son. You are my daughter. And I love you so much and I am so pleased with you. And it's not because of what you've done. It's because you're reconciled by Jesus Christ's physical body through death. And you are holy. You are without blemish. You are free from accusation. And the metaphors of Scripture, of us being the Father's child, they come alive as he, he holds us. He holds us on his, his bosom, the Scriptures say. He, uh, the, the metaphors of the bride and the bridegroom come alive. A, a, a marriage, a, a marriage between Jesus and the church. And there is sexual imagery. It's a metaphor used to describe the type of love and intimacy that God has for you. Psalm 131, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Oh, I could do a whole sermon on that. We're going to come back. To, I got to come back to that. Let me just stop there for a second. Haughty, it, it, it means prideful, boastful, arrogant. So many Christian leaders, myself included at times, we are haughty, we are proud. And this psalm, it begins, it says, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not consider myself with, I'm sorry, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Why? Why is that? Verse 2, But... I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. A baby, an infant that is just breastfed from his or her mother and is sleeping on that mother's chest, content. You are my son. You are my daughter, whom I love and whom I am so pleased with. I've calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you so much. I love you so much. I love you so much. I'm so pleased with you. I'm so pleased with you. I'm here for you.
I'm here for you. Everything you're looking for out there, I have for you. I have for you. I love you so much. And when I see you, I see perfection. I see holiness. I don't see any blemish free from accusation. That is the gospel. Oh, that is grace. That is grace. Oh, that is the good news of Jesus. And where grace lives, vulnerability abounds. That's what saved my marriage. It's what saved my life. It's what put me on a path of losing my desire for pornography and my desire to escape from my marriage. It's not to say I didn't ever struggle again or have temptation again. I had seasons where just autopilot is back on and I'm back to doing it alone. I don't have accountability. So I got plugged back in with covenant eyes. Listen, friends, use covenant eyes. Oh, my goodness. For yourself and your children. And I'll be real with you. Uh, you know, I worked for Covenant Eyes for three months. Not very long. For, you know, a short window uh, in between. I was doing pastoral ministry and then doing my Beyond the Battle stuff and had a, a really nice official work stint with them. But I also continue to, um, I guess, you know, work for them as an affiliate. I love them. I, it's, it's fantastic. And I'll just be straight up. Their product works better on Android uh, than it does on, on, on iPhone. If you're, got, if you're struggling and you need to, you, you want, you know, you're, you, it's, this is screen accountability, um, I, I've switched my phone over to Android because I got sick and tired. I need to use Instagram for my job, for my church, and for this author stuff, I need Instagram. I am so tired on Instagram. When you click search, there's pictures of girls in their underwear and bikinis. Like, I'm not looking for you. I'm, you literally have to click search on Instagram to find if, – if, if, if you're a buddy of mine and, and you go, yeah, look me up on Instagram. When I go to find your name, I type in your name, Instagram doesn't just have a text box. It's a grid of 15 squares of all these random pictures from all over Instagram. I am so tired of that. I am so tired of my ESPN sports app showing me bra and, and underwear ads from Walmart, <laughs> literally, literally. But it's of this chick wearing no clothes. I'm not looking for her. I'm literally trying to read about how bad the Cincinnati Reds are, my team. <laughs> or I'll be reading the newspaper app for my local newspaper and the ads at the bottom of the app. And when it is right there, the adult bookstore hasn't just moved into my living room. It's moved onto my phone. And it's it's literally no longer with a locked door saying, you, you have to go to this website and type in the naughty word. No, we're going to put ourselves literally right inside of your Instagram, right inside of your ESPN app. Right inside of your local newspaper, the, 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 the ad for the next article at the bottom of the page. 
And I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm Superman Christian, and every single time that's on my, my page, some piece of that addiction inside of me that I have overcome sparks up inside, and that trigger leads me to a place that I never would have gone. I never would have looked for that. And, and what you can do with Covenant Eyes is on an Android device, everything you look at, Instagram, text messaging, the photos on your phone, if your children are texting their friends, it would pick up and, and they are sexting each other, taking naked pictures of themselves and sending them, which a very high percentage of teenagers are doing and young adults are doing today. And you want accountability for yourself and you want to see what your children are getting into and what their friends are sending them. Your kids don't have to go looking for porn. Porn is going to find them 100% of the time. And on YouTube and TikTok and Snapchat. So... And if you don't think a, 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 a girl in a, a broad underwear or a very revealing bikini is enough to trigger porn endorphins in your brain, it absolutely is, okay? It absolutely is enough. I'm not saying that every picture of a girl in a bathing suit, you know, is, is something that, I mean, yes, you, that's a whole nother conversation. I'm saying that those pictures, the way they are done, they are absolutely intended to get that type of attention. Absolutely. The way they are posed, the, 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 the looks on the faces, everything about them is intended to get that type of intention. Okay. Covenant Eyes on Android is so amazing because it's a artificial intelligence that picks up, it, it identifies skin color, body parts, and it takes screenshots of those, sends them to your accountability partner. They're blurred out. So you're, my wife is my accountability partner. I, I'm not going to look at that stuff. I'm not going to dwell on that thumbnail at the bottom of the ESPN article because I know my wife is going to see it on the, on the sheet. It, it doesn't mean I haven't overcome this sin. It means I'm not stupid and foolish to think that, that that still doesn't have an allure to my flesh. And when I get in a place where I think I'm the expert answer man, and in, in my new edition of Beyond the Battles, uh, the Zondervan 2021 edition of the book, I had a two-year period between when I wrote Beyond the Battle, the first edition that I indie published in 2018 to 2020 with Zondervan. And there I'm leading small groups through the book, and I'm feeling like the answer man. I'm the expert. It was not a conscious thing in my brain where I said, I'm the answer man now. It just started happening where I stopped being vulnerable. And I started making compromises not billboard-worthy compromises. I did not fall back into pornography. But the things I was desiring, the places my mind was going, the compromises I was making, let me tell you, they were scary 
and absolutely back down that road. And I think once you're an addict and your brain has that channel made, that, that channel's not hard to refine again. And it was red alert time to double down and triple down on the accountability that I have in my life. So we do a Saturday morning group now, Beyond the Battle alumni. If you go through one of our beyondthebattle.net small groups, this Saturday morning group that I participate in, it's for me. It's to have a weekly time of reminding us, reminding me of these truths and having some real accountability time. Because my friendships, I have great friends, but it's pretty hard in life to build in a weekly meeting with somebody. And it's not enough to talk to your friend about this once every six months. And you can't do it alone. And so, yeah, Covenized, by the way, uh, it works great on a PC and a Mac. Covers you on anything online uh, that you're doing on there. You know, it doesn't matter what browser you're using. But on an iPhone, you have to go through Covenize app. And so you can do it. You can lock your phone out of other apps or maybe apps aren't, aren't the issue for you. But uh, I just got sick of it. I got sick of fighting that battle. And I just made the switch to Android. And I'm telling you, that feeling of freedom is so good to not have that dark demon just, just like hovering over when 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 that that temptation comes back that I I am not looking for. So I'm I'm telling you I want you to experience that freedom too. And so uh that's that's kind of the end of my story. The end of my story would be um and there's a lot of other pieces to it. You can read beyond the battle uh which which uh you know tells you kind of all the all the nuts and bolts of all this. Um but Community, vulnerable community, huge. Finding my identity in Jesus, learning how to spend daily time with him to be reminded of his love for me and being in a, in a weekly community. Um, that's my Saturday morning group that reminds me of his love for me. Being in a church community where I can experience that love. I can experience that love for me. We have to embody, it has to be embodied love. Have brothers and sisters in Christ who are embodying that love of the Father to us where we can see it in the flesh Super important for our brains uh, to experience that love in that way. That's actually a way of healing trauma. And that's so important to have that type of community uh, in a church with real people. Um, in my marriage, not expecting my wife to be Jesus. Uh, in my marriage, to we go, we, we go at it with uh, marriage counseling, personal counseling. Seek help. Stop acting like you're so strong. <laughs> Stop acting like you're the lone ranger and can do it all on your own. No, you can't. Nobody can. Nobody ever could. That's a lie from Satan. Um, be vulnerable. So that's good. I hope that's encouragement. Um, I hope that's helpful to you. Um, yeah, that's my story. That's my story for uh, per overcoming pornography, um, sexual sin, married 17 years, 17 years strong, have three Beautiful girls, 10, 8, and 4. Um, I talk in Beyond the Battle about the apple orchard. Sexual sin is a, it's like eating an apple and then taking a bite, throwing it off to the side, running around, you know, tear, find another apple tree, take that bite, throw it, run around. It's easy, tastes good. You discard a lot of apples, but who cares? A lot of, a lot of bodies behind you, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of heart, hearts broken, a lot of souls broken, bodies broken. Who cares? You just have fun. Grab the next apple. That's, you know, that's porn. That's casual sex. 
God's design for sex is the apple orchard. It's it's hard work. And this is for singles too. This is for singles in your, your virginity or in your celibacy. And it's not about what you did in your past. It's not about what you did in your past. Grace, man, grace. Remember that verse? When the father looks at you, he sees holiness without blemish, free from accusation. It's not about what's what you've done in your past. There's no judgment. I don't I mean I don't blame you at all for sexual sin in your past. I mean that's as far as sins go, I mean, that's I, that's the one that gets me. I, I get it. I, I get the allure. Um it's 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 frankly the best snag out there that Satan has going for him. It feels great, right? I mean, so it's 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 I, I'm not beating you up. And I'm not saying to, I'm not saying, you know, oh, you're tarnished somehow. Oh no, grace? <laughs> There's no tarnish in grace. Grace fixes all that. When Jesus died, he said it is finished. He did an A plus job on the cross. It, it was enough, trust me, uh, to make you whole again. I'm talking about looking forward. I'm not talking about looking back. I'm look looking forward. Um as, as we look forward, we see the apple orchard as the vision for sex. The apple orchard is is in, and this is for singles, it's for married folks. It's to it's to work the land. It's to work the orchard. It's to live in community. It's to have. If you're married, it's to be faithful to your to your husband or wife through the ups and downs. It's to go to marriage counseling to work through the downs, to. to find healing, to seek healing again, to keep working, to, to create a, a family for your kids. That's the apple orchard. If you're single, it's, you still got an orchard. It doesn't, you, you, you may or may not ever get married. I don't know. If you do, you're going to be in for a lot of hardship. You're going to be in for a lot of hardship in your mar- in your marriage if you do get married. If you don't, you're going to be in for a lot of hardship <laughs> in your singleness. You're experiencing you're already experiencing it now. But either way, the apple orchard is God's vision for sex. And when we when when we when when we don't tend to the orchard of our singleness or of our marriage, the weeds choke out the trees. The insects eat the fruit. And, and the orchard becomes a wasteland and there's no food and there's no fruit. And the church of grace is not meant to be a wasteland. It's meant to be a fertile orchard that has fruit for the community to live off of. And, and, and that's the vision. So we're, we're a part of something much bigger. We're a part of something much bigger than ourselves. So I, I hope that that encourages you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to, um, thanks for listening to my story. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, yeah, this is cool. This is a cool thing that, that, this is a cool thing that we have together and I'm thankful for you. All right, quick interruption to the flow of the podcast. I apologize. Uh, finished recording the whole thing and realized I really should tell you about my Covenant Eyes promo code since I've talked so much about Covenant Eyes this episode, and I really, really think you should use it. At least give it a try. I have a promo code. The word is BEYOND, 
like Beyond the Battle. Uh, Beyond, put that in as a promo code at CovenantEyes.com, and you will get your first month free. And so, yes, that does support the podcast, and I normally don't mention that week in and week out on the podcast, but because of the topic today and telling you so much about Covenant Eyes, I really just forgot, forgot to mention the promo code. So beyond, get your free month at CovenantEyes.com. And now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. I don't know, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, whoever invented Noah's rant? For real. For real. For real. Who invented Noah's rant? All right, that sound you hear, I'm, I'm taking another drink of Angry Boo. I got to get fueled up here for this rant. The sound you hear is a warning. It is an alert. This was a great episode, wasn't it? I mean, I just buried my soul. Deep transformation. I could feel the Holy Spirit working. Look, all that's over. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you need to stop listening to this episode. Right? Just let's celebrate the win, right? Let's go out on top. This was a this warning is to tell you that Noah's rant is coming, and that means all serious, rational thought is over, and what's left is complete stupidity. So do not continue listening and then say that was the dumbest thing I ever heard, and then write me an email about how dumb it was. Not my fault. Your fault. Your fault. I gave you an alarm danger warning. And, you, and I told you explicitly to stop listening, and yet you continued. So for those of you that are stubborn and obstinate and have continued to listen beyond my most clear warning, I present to you the one, the only, Noah's Rant. Noah's Rant. Honestly, I need those podcast reviews from people like Chaz to tell me that they like the humor of this show because I often I often question myself. Uh, so Noah's rant. Listen, all right. So I I bit okay. I'm only gonna play this for a few seconds. This is gum chewing. Are you a gum chewer? Raise your hand right now if you like the sound you hear right now. Okay, that is awful. That is the worst sound ever. I hate this sound. I absolutely hate the sound of gum chewing. That is all I can handle. That's is it. I'm gonna be honest with you. I've done a lot of nose rants. This is episode 60. Many of those had nose. I, I I'm not sure if I've talked about gum chewing before. I may have, and that is okay. It needs to be talked about again <laughs> because it's so awful. Look, okay. If you're going to chew gum, first of all, don't. But if you do, don't chew with your mouth open. Do not make these sounds when you chew gum. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. So 
disgusting and revolting. But let's just pause for a moment and think about gum chewing. Who invented it? Who sat around one day and said, you know, this food thing is really cool. That's a cool idea. You put this stuff in your mouth and you chew it up a little bit and then you then you swallow it and it just just tastes real good and i i feel better after i mean i got energy and i'm good i can i'm ready to go i got some food it's really a good idea it looks this cool idea that i got so here's what we're gonna do because it's so good and fun we want it to last forever and ever. And we've noticed this thing about food that when you swallow the food, then you you eventually can't keep just swallowing food. You get enough in you, you can't eat anymore. And that's real sad because it's fun and good. And so we're gonna we're gonna invent a food that you don't swallow. You're just gonna chew it and never stop. You're just gonna you're gonna chew it. And you're gonna chew it, and you're gonna chew it, and you're gonna chew it, and you might want to swallow it, but don't swallow. I know it tastes real yummy, good, but just gonna chew it, and you're gonna chew it, and you're just gonna, you can just chew it all day. You really could just chew, 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 chew all day. Who did? Who? Who? Who thought that was needed or necessary or a good idea? And let me say something about gum. What is it? What is gum? It is not food. I have no idea what gum... Seriously, gum. That is not an edible organic thing you should be putting in your mouth. <clears throat> you, you tell your children not to put nasty things in their mouth. You would you, you your child finds a, a a pen on the ground at the at the grocery store and they stick it in their mouth and you say no 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 don't put that in your mouth that's nasty but I'm gonna put this this stretchy bendable piece of plasticky rubber in my mouth that <laughs> it looks like a brain can I see this too? Those of you that chew gum, and then your meal comes, and it's time to eat, and you put that nasty, foul, disgusting, wrinkly, pink, spit-glistening, lumpy, raisin-looking, nasty booger that looks like you just pulled it out of your ear... And I'm sitting across from you, and I have a platter of real food in front of me, and you stick that nasty chunk of gum on your thumb, and you squish it onto the side of your plate next to your real food, and you expect me to look at that while I try to have an appetite to enjoy the delicious real food on my plate? That is so disgusting and gross. You need to stop. Do never do that again. Never. What is wrong with you anyway? You are you are you that thrifty that you can't just throw your nasty gum away and put in a new stick after your meal is over? Is gum that expensive now? 
Has the price of gum gone up so much since I last purchased it? I mean, gum was 25 cents for a pack. I mean, is it that is a stick of gum $5 that that you must not waste it when your food comes? You you must be able to stick it back in your mouth the same piece? I mean, do you do that at night? Do you chew it up until you sleep and you stick it onto next to your alarm clock so that when it goes off can I say God forbid? Is that allowed? I, <laughs> I don't know. What else would you say? For, forbid? <laughs> Let's go with it. God forbid that you would have a, a moment of your life without, without the chewing of gum? Would you ever be able to live without experiencing this? So you put it on your alarm clock so that the second your alarm clock goes up, you, you go to hit the snooze button in your hand, falls into the soft, exquisite squishiness of your beloved gum that you love so much that you can immediately stick it right back in your mouth the moment you arise. Is that what you do, gum chewer, who puts the gum on the side of their plate? while they are eating in front of me to look at. Don't talk about puking while I am eating. That is a cardinal sin. Do not talk about poop while I am eating. That is a cardinal sin. And do not, for the love, put your nasty piece of chewing gum on the side of your plate while I am eating. Also, a cardinal sin. Gum chewers, for real, for real. Stop, stop chewing gum. Does your breath smell? Go brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. I, gum has sugar in it anyway. You're not helping your teeth. You're giving yourself cavities. Oh, I have sugar-free gum. Oh, I bet that's natural and organic. I bet that won't give you cancer someday. Okay, I'm going a little too far. Noah's rant. If you did not know, Chaz, exist to make the world a better place. I, I do believe we have accomplished our goal today. I, I think my point has been made. Stop chewing gum. Brush your teeth. Eat a breath mint. Eat an apple. That's what I'm talking about, gala apples. That's right, Phil. No need that honey crisp. Don't be wasting your money on that. Eat a gala apple if you want your breath to smell better. Quit chewing gum, are you a cow? You're a human being created in God's image, not a cow. I'll see you next time, y'all, on the flip side. The Flip Side with Noah Filipiak is a South Francis Press production. Copyright Noah Filipiak. www.noahfilipiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K Lake Music. Use with permission. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Yow, yow, drippin' in that gall that don't perish People selling fake, see the green around their belly Taking refuge
in his head, see his poems, my living quarters. Close them when I'm finished, it's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory, cause you're in or you're out. When you see him in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Then I hope you see him clearly. Raise him, raise him, raise him. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but sure 